0: morning. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to show you some videos this morning. But before we do, we're going to dig into some texts. Last Sunday, if you remember... Uh, Those of you that were in the Here's the Difference class, we talked about aspects of the glory of Christ, Um, glories of Christ. We talked about, and and as I was studying that lesson, I, I came across the subject. It really struck me, the idea of why are we here? Why are we here? Why are you here on earth? God put you here. You know, it says that he chose the boundaries of our habitation and our times The day of our birth, even the day that our last day on earth, that's already marked down in his book. And that's an appointment we won't miss. But the boundaries of our habitation, that we should all know one another, that we should live in California if we live here. That's part of the boundaries of your habitation. He determined that. He determined that. Um, So he placed me here on earth. He placed you on earth. And it's a good question to ask, well, what's my purpose in being here? And a lot of people are questioning, a lot of people question that purpose. What's my purpose in life? You know And there's a lot of things that perhaps I might not agree with, but if we go to the, the, the Westminster larger catechism, the, the question is posed: What is the chief and highest end of man? That's another way of asking that question. The chief and highest end of man. And they answer the question, I think they do a good job. Man's chief and highest end is to glorify God. And, to fully, uh, and fully to enjoy him forever. To glorify God and to enjoy him fully forever. And I started looking at those two going hand in hand. When you, if you know the Lord, are glorifying God, when God's glorified in your life, we're enjoying God. It draws us closer. I think in particular that how many people like to share when God has answered your prayer? Amen. We, we, we were praying that, that we would be able to go to Yosemite. And the Lord answered our prayer. And it's getting harder and harder to get to Yosemite. And that really spoke to me that God cares about little things. And I, I go to work and I share, you know, I prayed this. And you know how hard it is? And God answered my prayer and we got to go. We get to go. God's glorified. And I'm enjoying Him. Do you want to enjoy God? Do you want to enjoy God in your life? Then we need to consider glorifying Him in our lives. And that's what I want to talk about. How do we glorify God? So I'm going to talk, first of all, to those that perhaps may not know Him as their Savior, as their Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you glorify God? And then I want to talk to those of us that do have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're part of the family of God, and it's going to be hopefully applicable not only to you, but to those around you. And I hope by the end of this message you'll see what I mean. If I do my job right, you will. (laughs) Okay, so how do we glorify God and enjoy Him? First of all, for anybody out there in the world, they must first believe that He is. There are people out there, I don't believe in God. As ridiculous as that sounds, with all the evidence around us, there are people that believe that. Well, they aren't glorifying God because his existence is evident in creation. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must what? Believe that he is. And that he's a rewarder to those who seek him. Glorify God means to, one, believe that he is. And he's worth seeking out. So there's a lot of people out there that aren't seeking God. They're not glorifying God. How are they going to enjoy God? They're not going to. And I I didn't enjoy God until I started seeking him. Or actually, he was seeking me. So we need to believe that he is. That glorifies God. So if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, believing that he is, I believe that you believe that he is or you wouldn't be here. Believe that he's right. Believe that he right, that he's right. God is right, though all men be wrong. God is right. Whatever he says, it's right. I can remember when I was searching for God, or uh, I felt something empty in my life. I went to a Bible study, and Rick asked me, Rick Bellis, so many of you know him, asked me, "You have time to talk?" And I said, "Yeah." And he said, why did you come? I said, well, I want to find out what God has to say. Why? I wasn't raised going to the church, but I know God's right. Who would have the nerve to say God's wrong? You know, I was pretty cocky before I was a Christian. Pretty proud, but I didn't have the nerve to say God was wrong. So he told me, oh, well, you really want to know? Yeah. The Bible says that you're a sinner. Are you a sinner? Do you believe that? Do you agree with God? I said, Yeah. The Bible says, God says that you deserve to go to hell. Do you believe that? Yeah. <laughs> and he just looked at me in disbelief. like nobody agrees that easily. But you know what? If God says it must be right, if it's in His word, must be right, doesn't matter what I feel about it, doesn't matter if I like the news. I, I, I'm not going to bury my sand and live in denial. He's right. I have to look at things from his point of view. He's right. It says in Hebrews six eighteen, it's impossible for God to lie. I don't know anybody alive that really sincerely believes that God lies. So, I mean, you don't have to go. To, I didn't have to go to church to believe that. I just sort of knew it. God, why would God lie? He doesn't have to lie. No reason to lie. I have to believe what he says about himself. So I believe, one, that he is. Two, that he's right. And then I have to believe what he has to say. So I have to find out what he has to say. How can you believe what God says without finding out what he has to say? So I have to find out what he has to say about himself. There are things about God we would never know if he didn't tell us. And it amazes me that he's taken the time and the effort to not only tell us, but to preserve that message, His holy word, throughout the centuries so that we would have it intact today. Reliable. What does God tell us about Himself? We read in Leviticus 11.44, I am holy. That's what God says. I'm holy. Now, if you were like me before, you were, before I was a Christian, I didn't have any idea what that meant. Holy? What's that mean? It means set apart. Different. He's different. <laughs> Unique. All our education, all our learning is based on a series of steps. We learn, we start with basic building blocks, and then we start building those blocks. You know, you can't learn advanced grammar techniques without learning the alphabet. <laughs> so, everything that we learn and we teach our children is based on familiarity with what's already here. But God's different, He's outside. Of our comprehension. He's unique. He's something totally unfamiliar. God existing in three persons. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yet one God. (laughs) Can you comprehend that? I can't. How do we know it's true? Because He told it to us. (laughs) And He can't lie. He reveals that to us. He's holy. Holy means that He's set apart... In relation, in one aspect, to sin. God can't sin. We have to ask yourself, what is sin? Sin is what God can't do, sin is what God is not. God is good, so anything other than that is bad. That's sin. God speaks just the truth, so to not speak the truth, which is to speak a lie, that's sin. God, being the Almighty, Our Creator, He is the only one that has the right to determine morality. What's right and what's wrong is determined by God and God alone. You can't change that. We have what we call progressives today. They'd like to see those things change. They don't change. I don't care how much society accepts what's wrong. If God says it's wrong, it's wrong, and He has a right to say it's wrong. God is holy. It says God is a righteous judge. That means when he judges, no mistake about it, no getting out of it, no court of appeals. He has all the evidence he needs, and he will judge. It says, "God is a righteous judge" in Psalm seven eleven, and God and a God who has indignation every day. Why? He's indignant with sin. A righteous judge is going to be angry, appalled at sin what it's done in his creation. It says the Lord will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. That's what God says about himself. And that's a very unpopular message. But you know what? God's right. If that's what he says, that's what it is. So even as an unsaved person, I thought, you know, it would be behoove me to agree with God, accept the way things are, and find out, well, what can I do Lord, what's the message? Because I had some inkling that there was some good news somewhere. You know, it also says in 1 John 4, 8, God is love. God is love. And and people like to take one aspect or one attribute of God and magnify it to outshatter all the other ones. Like God is love. God forgives. God's compassionate. And he certainly is. But he can't violate his other attributes of being holy and righteous and just. And that's where we come into problems, because we can't reconcile those with sinners. (laughs) If I'm a guilty sinner, and I deserve to be judged, and I really deserve to go to hell, I can't expect forgiveness and love, because justice would be violated. And God doesn't do that. And so there's some things I need to learn about myself. It says in Proverbs 29, Who can say I have cleansed my heart? I am pure from sin. The Bible says all have sinned. I didn't have a problem with that one. I didn't have to look anywhere else. I just had to look right here. (laughs) Right here. I was a sinner and I am a sinner. It says there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good, not even one. That's God's appraisal. Now, God is either right or he's wrong. And I know a lot of people that would disagree with that statement. And when confronted with that disagreement, and I ask them bluntly, okay, so what you're telling me is that God's lying, right? "Uh, I'm not saying that. Well, Look, this is what he says. You say it's not true. So either he's right or you're right. Both can't be true. And God is right. I am wrong. And I'm not afraid to say that. I'm wrong. God's right. And until a person comes to that point, they won't glorify God. They can't. Because what they're doing is calling God a liar. They're saying what he says is not true. I don't believe it. When they're wrong. And he's right. Okay, so we have to believe God what he says about himself, what he says about us, and what he says about the future. This is where God's love comes in. He loves us enough to warn us about the future because he wants there's something terrible looming ahead. He wants to to save us from. It says, therefore, in Acts 1730, therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all everywhere should repent because he here's the thing. He has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. What he's saying is there's coming a day that Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, is going to judge everyone. (laughs) A judgment day. How unpopular is that? Very unpopular. But it's true. And it's right. How do I know that? Because God says so. God doesn't lie. It says, in death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. Wow, what's that? This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. God warns of eternal punishment. He warns of just condemnation because of our sins. And he calls it the lake of fire. A place where people don't die to get out of the pain. It's pain forever. So i got to believe what he says about himself, what he says about me, what he says about the future and you know, even when you hear all this bad news, I think there's still hope in the human heart that there's got to be something God can do. And that he wants to do. And amazing thing is, there is. So you have to believe the gospel. The gospel means good news. It says, He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. He bore our sins in his body on the cross. God's justice needed to be satisfied. And it would be satisfied, and it was all. we were on the receiving end of that justice. But Jesus stepped into our place, took on our sins, and God punished him in our place. So that his justice could be satisfied. So he could forgive in a just, righteous, and holy way. And that's what he did. And that's the good news. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's where God's love and justice meet on the cross at Calvary. Those are things we need to believe if we're going to glorify God. And a person can never enjoy God in a true sense of the word until he glorifies God by believing God. By standing up and saying, I'm a sinner. I agree with God. I deserve to go to hell. I agree with God. That glorifies Him. And somebody might ask, well, what hope do you have to go to heaven? Are you going to heaven? Yes, I'm going to heaven. Well, why should you go? (laughs) Nothing because of what I've done. All because of what Jesus has done. All my hope is pinned on what Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, did on the cross of Calvary. And as a free gift, I have eternal life. That's why I'm going to heaven. He gets all the glory. I get none of the glory. That glorifies God, because that's the only ground by which a person can get to heaven. And most of you in here know that and have come to believe that. And you have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You have what's called the right to be called the children of God. It says, he came to his own and his own and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Even to those who believe in his name. Those who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of men, but of God. Born of God into the family of God. A person that agrees with God, that agrees about who God is, about who we are, about what he's done for us, the gospel. It's just unbelieving. It's a free gift. God says, now that you've come around to my way of seeing things... Let me tell you what I've done for you. I've made salvation a free gift. And all you have to do is take it out of my hand. You don't have to crawl up 500 stairs on your knees bleeding. You don't have to carry a cross. You don't have to be crucified. You don't have to do penance. You don't have to do good works. Just believe and receive. Free gift. Could there be better news? But the good news is it's not just, oh, now I'm not going to hell. It's now I'm a part of the family of God. And if you know the Lord Jesus Christ in that way, we're all part of the family of God. And You know, you all know how much I love my family, and especially the newest addition to my family, Buster, right? I would do anything for him. I'd give my life for him. Not only because I know I'm going to heaven right now. But, <laughs> but I, I would. I think I would. Because I love him. Do you think God loves you less if you know the Lord Jesus Christ that's how much he loves us and sometimes we forget that he loves us that's an almighty power in protecting us and he's promised and made it a goal to carry us through to the end what kind of security do we have all this security part of the family of God you know Buster will always be my grandson always Andy will always be my son Heidi will always be my daughter now, should the Lord take Heidi home and to be with him in heaven, she'll still be my daughter. She just won't be here with me. I'll go see her later. Okay? Family relationships don't dissolve. How much more so the Lord uh, part, being part of the family of God. So, glorifying God, if you don't know the, the Lord Jesus Christ is agreeing with Him, believing Him receiving Him and becoming part of the family of God, guess what? Then you're going to really start enjoying God. <laughs> Before that, it's a fearful thing, falling into the hands of an angry God because of sin. People that don't believe in God, they're afraid. I don't care what they show on the outside. When it comes down to it, they're afraid, and they have good reason. Good reason. But what about those of us that have been left here after coming into the Lord Jesus Christ? I thought that right off the bat, oh good, I can go to heaven now. You know? so, so why are we here? If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're part of the family of God, why are you here? I used to think that the, the main, if not only reason, was that I might tell people about how to come to know the Lord. That I might share the good news with others. And if I was taken home to heaven, well then who would share with others? And if the person that led me to the Lord had been taken home to heaven as soon as he accepted the Lord, then who would share with me? And that made perfect sense to me. But you know, as you grow in the Christian life, as you get to know God, I learned with time that there's more to it than that. There's more to it than that. Why are we here? One reason is certainly we want to share that with others, that others would have the opportunity to enter into the family of God and know, glorify Him and enjoy Him. But we're here to glorify Him and to get to know Him in a better way, in a deeper way, to enjoy Him. And the effect of that in our lives should be more than telling people about what the Lord's like. It should be showing people what the Lord's like with our lives. People that know and trust God, they can do some fantastic things if they believe his word. And if they show it in their life, people say, oh, wow, that's what it is to know God. Wow. I've heard about it, but I've never seen it. I've never seen it in somebody's life. So the Lord has left us here to tell people about him and to show people what it is to have a relationship with him. That, w- that is what glorifies him. And as we glorify him, we enjoy him. We get to know him in a deeper way. And there's nothing more than sp- that speaks to me about that than what life is all about, and the Bible places it in the, in the scene of a race. Life is a race, isn't it? Life has a start starting it has a course and it has a finish line we've all started and if you know the lord jesus christ you're on that course if you don't know the lord jesus christ you're on that course except for you haven't entered into the course i'm talking about the spiritual race and we want to think about that has a start has a course has a finish line how's your race going how did it start? Now, I'm talking about life, spiritual life. It starts by faith. Believing God about the things we talked about. Coming into the family of God. That's what the Word of God says. If I trust the Lord Jesus Christ, I have the right to be called a child of God. It says in 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians 5.17, I think it's 1 Corinthians That whoever's in Christ is a new creature. Old things are passed away, new things have come. There should be a marked change in a person's life that's evident of that new life. It's entered into by faith. It's directed by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. We take God's word, we believe him because he can't lie. And there's a lot of promises in here. (laughs) And We trust those promises because God can't lie. Now, if I have a promise and I'm not acting on it, am I really glorifying God? If I know the Lord Jesus Christ, and it says, if I've received the Lord Jesus Christ, I have passed out of judgment, I have eternal life, and I doubt my salvation. It says one of two things. Perhaps I don't know the Lord, or if I do know the Lord, I'm not glorifying him. Why? I'm doubting what he says. He, he makes it simple. It's not complex. It's real simple. Believe. You shall be saved. That's all. Believe. So it's directed by faith. It's lived out according to our faith in what he says. Lived out according to our faith. For example, he says not to store up treasures on earth. Why? Because we have a treasure in heaven. We should be storing our treasure in heaven. Why? That's our home. We're just passing through here. You know, I, I'm traveling more and more in my job. And I've learned to, learned to get down to a carry on for two weeks. I like to travel light. That's how we should be in this world as Christians. Traveling light. Passing through. Why? Because we believe what he says. It's a transitory life. Nothing I have here I can take with me. So I should send it ahead. The way he's told me to. It should be lived out according to our faith. Without faith it's impossible to please him. Without faith it's impossible. It's all by faith. And faith is something that a child can exercise. It doesn't take a rocket scientist Okay, so for those of you that know the Lord, you've had your start. How's the course going? It may not be an easy one. There are times where it gets pretty rough. aren't there? It's not like, you know, you go to these tracks, expensive tracks at the colleges or the, some nice high schools, and they got this rubberized surface over the track, nice and cushy to run on. Have you ever walked on those or run on those? They're easy on the ankles. That's not like the course of life. There's no cushion. You know, it's more like an all terrain, rough terrain kind of trip. You know? Our course in life can we can meet up with some bumps and bruises. We can take some spills. There's some steep inclines that sometimes we think we can't make it. And that causes us to, to what? Look to him for strength. And when we do that, he gives us the strength. You know what that does? That glorifies him. You know what that does for us? It helps us enjoy him. And we become more like him. He was a race finisher. He finished his course. And that's what he wants us to be, finishers. Even though the course isn't easy, he didn't promise it would be easy. But he promised to be with us. And he promised to give us the strength that we need. And he promised not to give us something that's too hard for us. At different times in our life, we can go through difficulties And your difficulties might be totally different than mine. That doesn't mean they're no less hard, no more easy. They're just different. Something that you pass through, a portion of the road, might not be so hard for me. In some areas that I might be struggling, you might just fly past me. Because we're all different, but we're still all in the race. What's the goal? What's the goal? Is it the win? Is the goal to win? Well, the Bible does talk about winning the race and what we have to do to win the race. But I'm going to show you this morning that there are different ways to win a race. There are different ways in which to be called a winner. And you might be surprised. But the goal is to finish a winner. Finish a winner. And there's not always just one winner. If you look at it different ways. Hebrews, where we we pointed you to at the beginning, Hebrews 12, it says... Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, who are these clouds of witnesses? There are those that have ran their race, that finished their course, that were winners. Every one of them. And it speaks as if they're looking down on us. Actually, it speaks as if it was a cheering section for us to keep going. Let us also lay aside every encumbrance. What stops us? What holds us back? Is it fear of the future? Is it insecurity? Is it doubt? Is it, I don't think I can do it? What is that when I say, I don't think I can do it? <laughs> if I'm thinking in my right mind spiritually, what I'm really saying is, I don't think the Lord can do it through me. That's not very flattering to the Lord, is it? That's not glorifying Him. We read, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things. The question is, do we believe it? It's a life of faith. Let us lay, also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that, which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. It's an endurance race. <laughs> endurance race. You know, when I was swimming, I used to. Uh, I was a diver. I liked to dive. It wasn't as much work. <laughs> when it came to swimming, I liked the 50-yard sprint. <laughs> but, you know, the 400-yard sprint. You know, the the long swims. They were a lot of work. Cross country. That's a lot of work. That's what life's like, though. For most people, it's a long distance affair. Run with endurance. The race that is set before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. There's the key. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He'll give you a new strength as the day requires. And sometimes when you think you can't go any farther, you fix your eyes on Him. And He'll pull you through. He, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. Look at what he did. There's no one that can claim that Jesus can't understand what you've gone through or what you're going through. Nobody had it more difficult than the Lord Jesus Christ. But he endured the cross. He finished his course. Despised the shame and sat down at the right hand of God. That's our time of rest when we finish the course. And it's not going to be until we're in his presence. I'm not, you know... (laughs) We talk about at work, it's funny because our retirement sort of evaporating, the way the finance is going and pensions. And you know, I tell them, you know what, I'm not going to retire until I get to heaven. That's going to be real retirement. Because until that point, it's going to evaporate or has the, the, the danger of evaporating. I don't care. Because the Lord's promised to take care of me. And he's promised to take care of you.
1: right?
0: Okay, so three different ways to be a winner. When I was, when I was a new Christian... You know, I mean, this was all I did. I I wasn't raised going to church, but when I heard the gospel, I knew it was the truth. And I was all in. I was all in. And I had some people tell me, you know what? They told me, it's easy to start out in a blaze of glory, only to fizzle out before you reach the finish line. There's a lot of truth to that. It's easy to start out in a blaze of glory like a rocket, only to fizzle out before you reach the finish line. So those of you that have known the Lord Jesus Christ for quite a while, quite a few years, you know what I'm talking about. When you're young, you're newly saved, yeah, let's go. There's no, there's no end to this. We're going all the way. But 10, 15, 20 years down the road, where are you at? You know, it's easy to get tired of running, to get discouraged. Get your eyes off the Lord. And it's like Peter when he got out of the boat. <laughs> Lord, if it's you out there on the water, call me out to you. And he gets out of the boat. Okay, Peter, come on out here. He's walking on water. Things are great. And all of a sudden, he gets his eyes off the Lord. And he's looking at the wind and the waves. And, he's going, and he starts sinking. Help, Lord, help me. <laughs> he got his eyes off the Lord. How did he finish that one? The Lord had to reach down and save him. So we're going to show a video. And the video talked talked about the, one of the most courageous things a person can do in a run in this person's opinion. Um, we'll talk about it after we watch it and you'll excuse me if the resolution isn't that good but I did what I could to get it off the internet it wasn't that great but let's watch it
1: on halfway stage from a truly international field when he kicked in two laps 800 meters in two minutes 10 seconds but gradually they're getting to him it's been a long lonely trek for him and chasing him now Johanker, the Commonwealth Games, 10000 meter champion from Tanzania, and the world cross-country champion from Ethiopia, uh, Debala. But Jones has run a really gallant race. He only can hang out now. He's got the crowd with him entirely. He's got all the running, but they are close. And of course, he's got very little finishing speed. So there's the battle. 400 meters left. And he as Shahanga starts to play. Oh, a raw courage here from Steve Jones. This crowd who loved their Mr. Shannon's. He's doing good. and the foster is doing a uh, David Bentley. Shahanga's getting after But the crowd have loved the way that he's taken it off. And he's really trying to get away. Shahanga closing all the time. 200 metres left. Jones looking for trouble, and the
2: trouble is there and you've got to use now. You've got to use it like And not take heart and
0: Was going to finish first, did it? He didn't give up. When you see somebody give up, it's sad. It's sad. When you see somebody sitting on the sidelines because they've, you know, given up. You know, it's sad. And it grieves the heart of the Lord because the Lord got the strength. He has the strength to give them. If they would just exercise the faith to trust Him. To give that last burst to finish strong. You know, I don't mind embarrassing people. <laughs> but yesterday I went to Carlene's 80th birthday party. And we sat at a table and she told me, about the Women's Bible Study Fellowship that she's involved in. And she's a facilitator in a group. And she told me about this lady that she perceives doesn't know the Lord. And she's trying to direct her questions at this lady. She wants to win this lady to the Lord. That's like this guy here. Finishing strong. That's encouraging. That's exciting. And that's what we, as shepherds, long for for everyone. And when we see someone downtrodden, discouraged because of something in the past or because just an unwillingness or distract, whatever it is. We want this for them. <laughs> that day where they'll receive from the Lord, well done. And God gets the glory that way and we learn something about him. It says in 1 Corinthians 9.24, do, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. And everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we, an imperishable wreath. So here's one way of winning. When you think you've got no more, when you think you're tired, when the years have crept up on you, trust the Lord for new strength and launch out And you'll be surprised what he can do through you. Thanks, Carly. That's a a sterling example for me. And I appreciate that. I hope I I can follow in your footsteps. Okay, so we have another one. We have another video, but I'm going to give it to you in two segments. One's going to be looking at it from just the world's point of view. And this particular runner is a professing Christian. So we'll watch it, then we'll talk about it. B, please. And then stop it before sea.
2: 600 meter underway. Heather Dornan Minnesota finished second this event a year ago. She was in lane four. And Dornan is probably going to be your favorite. She actually won the NCAA championships in 2006 in the 800, but she only won one Big Ten championships in the two years. Three laps in this event 600 meters, three times around the 200 meter track here at the field house. What a bold move by Fawn, she's looking very confident, and the Penn State runner is just running amazing today. She did win her heat in the 400, but ended up taking fourth overall. That's Fawn moving into the lead, sophomore from Penn State. Dornan been running second. Dornan last year scored 23 points for the Golden Gophers in their Big Ten Championship, so they're really relying on getting a lot of points from her this weekend, and she's just coming by Fondor now in the home stretch heading into the bell lock. Oh!
1: Oh! went down.
2: Well, the... falling down gets up quickly, but that's going to cost her. Yeah. Lucky she wasn't injured. Her teammate just went to the front though, so they may be able to recover from that. And Dordan is flying down the backstretch. She stretch. is she catching is, up. She is going to catch Fondor, and she may catch the leader. Wow. wow! She's got fun. This is a gutsy effort after- by Oh! To, to fall in a 600, I mean, this is basically a sprint. I mean, this is an extended 400, basically. If it, to fall with 200 meters to go and get up and win, that is unbelievable. Unbelievable. That's of the most exciting i Here's the fall. Oh, she trips on Fawn's shield. It looked like Fawn just clipped her heel and she went down just before the bell lap. Fawn <laughs> door had the heard her. To avoid a collision. And she is powering down this home stretch, just doing everything she can to win this heat.
0: How did Herman are you to win your race? Now, she's a professing Christian, and I believe she is because I heard her speaking about the gospel. So let's now look at it from what may be her point of view and what should be ours. Let's see. Life will knock you down. Sometimes you'll trip and fall. Sometimes it seems like people are running right over you, and they're just keeping on going. What was going through her mind when she fell? Did she have any over hopes of winning by getting up? I don't think so. I think she was just determined, I'm going to finish this race, no matter if I win or not. And I read some comments about it. She said she hit a gear that she never knew she had. And she knew it wasn't from her. It was from the Lord. She fell. You know, we know people that have fallen. But sometimes people fall in ways in which we don't perceive. A fall isn't just in the area of immorality or gross sin. It could be discouragement. A person can fall into discouragement. A person could fall or trip up into being bitter about one thing or another. Relationships can be strained because of it. Self-pity. A person could fall into self-pity. Feel sorry for themselves. That's a fall. Fall into despondency. Apathy. Fall into being apathetic. Resentment. They could fall into resentment. Bitterness. Distractions, jealousy, laziness, fall into the fear of man, doubt. There's a lot of ways to fall. But you know what? Life's not about the fall. We all fall. Every single one of us, in one way or another, we fall at times in our lives. Sometimes there are falls people don't see, sometimes there are falls that are very public. But they're all on the same level. It's not about the fall. It's about what you do afterwards. It's about the rise. It's about the rise. And in many, many cases, the rise to the person that rises afterwards, life is a whole lot more rich. God gets a whole lot more glory than a person that falls and then just crawls off to the side feeling sorry for themselves. And as we look around and we see people, these are lives. How are you doing and how are they doing? If you feel discouraged, if you feel you've fallen in a small way or a big way, remember, life's about to rise. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I read stories of people that lose limbs. And the biggest concern of the family is that it doesn't take them down into depression, discouraged. And when they see them happy and overcoming, that gives glory to God. That gives glory to God. Getting up, getting up. It takes a lot of courage, it takes determination. But that's what a winner is. Even if they don't come in first place, I guarantee that's what people remember. They got up. And they finished the course. And that speaks real loudly to me as a Christian. I want to finish the race. (laughs) You know, like Gene Gibson says, I want to die in the saddle. You know. There's one more I want you to see Um, one more way of winning. And it's really special because it's winning by coming in last place. If you come in last place in the right way. And that's what. I want us to really think about how we can win by coming in last place. Let's watch the last.
3: Every runner knows that you don't win races with legs, you win them with heart.
4: Running really isn't a lot of fun, it's a lot of pain.
3: (laughs) On this day, dozens of runners have descended on St. Paris, Ohio to the Graham Invitational Cross Country Meet. Track and cross country are sports that some take for granted, but here in Champaign County, they take notice.
4: Back in the 70s, starting in 76, we had, the boys had four consecutive state titles. So it just became a big sport in our community.
3: Ann Vogel is the head women's track and cross country coach at West Liberty Salem High School, the top ranked team in the area. They also have the top ranked runner. 18 year old Megan Vogel has been running for as long as she can remember.
4: Well, my mom's been coaching for 20 years and I went to my first cross country meet when I was four weeks old.
3: At the Graham Invitational, she not only started in front, she finished that way. Covering the 3.1 mile course, in a personal best time of 1846. But winning is nothing new for Megan Vogel. Jesse Owen Stadium on the campus of The Ohio State University was the site of the 2012 Ohio High School State Track Championships. Though just a junior, Vogel was one of the top seeds in the 1,600 meters.
4: My junior year, that's kind of when things started cooking for me.
3: Megan was in third place going into the last lap.
4: Out of the three girls she was running with, those three, she looked the most relaxed and most ready to make her move when she needed to. Oh, and then with 300 meters to go on the last lap,
3: I just kind of kicked it
2: in.
4: Oh,
3: At the right time, in the right place, she ran her personal best. Four minutes and 58 seconds and Megan Vogel was a state champion.
4: I couldn't stop crying when I crossed the line. I mean, to to finally achieve something that you've been working for basically your
3: whole life, it's just, it's unexplainable. I
4: mean, we just hugged and obviously shed quite a few tears and I mean, it was just a special moment.
3: By winning that race, Megan became the first girl from her high school to win a state track title in more than 20 years. But when people talk about that day, they don't talk about the race where Megan finished first. They talk about the race Where Megan finished last. Just 25 minutes after collecting the trophy for the 1,600 meters, she had to collect herself and get ready for the 3,200.
4: That's what's pretty tough about in between the two races.
3: Among her opponents in that event was a promising 16-year-old from Finley, Ohio, named Arden McMath.
0: We saw her coming up in junior high and thought, hey, we might have something here.
4: This is the state patch.
3: Though just a sophomore, McMath started accumulating ribbons and trophies.
4: This is from my BBC meet.
3: As a freshman at Arlington High School.
4: Trained a lot more in the mornings. I started running like every day. She's disciplined and uh, motivated and perfectionistic.
3: When their race began, Vogel and McMath had never met. By the time it was over, they were linked forever. For the first half of their two-mile run, both runners were right in the thick of things. But soon, they both started to fall behind.
4: It was a lot quicker than I usually go, so I definitely wasn't used to it. So I kind of looked at my mom and I
3: shook my head, like, this is not gonna be a very good race. At this point, Arden's only goal was to finish the race. And then, the unthinkable happened.
0: When I first saw Arden go down, it was, a little disbelief, you know, that's just not Arden,
3: she doesn't, she doesn't do that.
1: I think we both, I, I was sick to my stomach.
3: Arden McMath had pushed herself so hard she just collapsed. She went down, got up, then she went down again. And it all happened right in front of Megan Vogel.
4: I had 100 meters to go to the finish line in my last lap and I noticed Arden had fallen in front of me.
3: In her entire life, according to her mom, Vogel had never finished last and she could have kept on going. She could have, but she didn't.
4: She just all of a sudden was there and I, I didn't know what was going on at first. And then once I realized, I was pretty amazed. I didn't expect that definitely.
3: Instead of running past her, Vogel ran to her, helping McMath to her feet. Then, with her last ounce of strength, carried her the final 30 meters across the finish line, making sure that McMath finished ahead of her.
4: I just kind of got her across the line and just shoved her a little bit and then put her arm back around my shoulders.
3: As it turned out, Megan not only lifted Arden McMath that day, She lifted everyone who saw it happen.
4: People just started coming up to me, and it was kind of overwhelming, because I just, like, it wasn't that big of a deal. I just helped her up.
3: After about an hour in the training room, McMath finally felt a little better, and a little embarrassed. But upon reflection, she was happy to be a part of an inspiring story.
4: I think it was a really good thing. She definitely showed a lot of people what um, high school sports are all about.
3: Megan Vogel is hoping to go back to Ohio State next spring, but she won't need another state title to prove she's a champion. I don't think that she um,
0: thinks that what she did is all that terribly outstanding, but obviously the rest of us do.
3: There are different paths to every finish line, and some leave a trail. To everyone who saw what she did that day, Megan Vogel will be remembered as the runner who was a winner even when she finished last. I'm
4: very proud. I'm very proud of her, obviously. Always am.
0: That's the kind of love God wants His children to have for one another. When we see someone that's down, help them up. When we see someone that can't quite make it, help them go forward. And there's two sides to it. It's embarrassing to fall. But when someone comes along to help us, will we accept that help? We shouldn't be too proud to accept that help. You know why? Because it glorifies God. And that's what we should be about, glorifying God and enjoying Him forever. Let's pray. Lord, we do want to glorify You. We know You've made us to know You, to glorify You, to magnify Your name and to enjoy You forever. We pray together that we might focus on glorifying you, focus on the race. And Lord, even if we are winners by taking last place, let it be to your glory. and Let us shine forth the love of Christ to a world that doesn't know you. We pray and ask it in your name. Amen.